Hello, Massachusetts and beyond. This is Ed Markey, and you're listening to Markey on the Mic. On the mic with me today is Madeline Scammell and Maria Balin Power from Green Roots, and Chelsea City Councilor Damali Vido. We'll talk about the intersections of COVID-19 and climate change, and how a bold and urgent movement for environmental justice can help Chelsea come back from the pandemic stronger. I hope you will enjoy this important conversation. Share it far and wide and subscribe to hear more Marky on the Mic. Marky on the Mic. Hello, everybody. Hope you're staying safe. We're in an incredible challenge right now. We're, we're at our peak. We have to keep doing everything we can in order to be uh, as good a partner as we can be with all of our healthcare workers and all of the other frontline workers, the grocery store workers, the police, the fire, uh, the people who are the sanitation workers, uh, the people who are electricians and plumbers coming into our homes. I mean, it's just across the board. I mean, we can see now what a high percentage of our economy is actually filled with essential workers. And it's our job to protect them by doing our job. So uh, thank you all so much. So it's, um, it's incredible that uh, the, uh, the healthcare system, the economic system, our transportation system has all been put under incredible stress. Uh, and what we're learning is from available data is the disease is not impacting everyone equally. Our communities of color, immigrant communities, low-income communities are on the front lines of this crisis, and we're not doing nearly enough to help them to weather this storm. And we see it right here in the Commonwealth, in Chelsea, which is where we are today. It has been at the heart, for, at, at, the, uh, uh, at the heart of this coronavirus uh, outbreak, and Chelsea has been devastated by uh, this virus. It's recorded uh, over uh, uh, more per capita cases than any other uh, community. And here with me today to talk about what is happening on the ground in Chelsea is City Councilor Damali Bido, uh, Green Roots Chair Madeline uh, Scamell, and Green Roots Associate Director Maria Balin Power. Uh, and uh, these incredible leaders have led Chelsea's response to the coronavirus pandemic and have ensured that our response is built within a framework of justice and uh, equity. So Green Roots is a community-based organization dedicated to improving the urban environment and public health in Chelsea and surrounding communities and has really been at the center of the city's work since the very start of this outbreak. So we thank all of you for uh, being here today. We thank you for all of your uh, great uh, leadership. Uh, and I think that uh, we need to start with the, uh, with the data about, the, um, about the, uh, the racial inequality that all of this is unearthing. Uh, Senator Warren and I and Congresswoman uh, uh, Presley uh, uh, intend on introducing legislation to require the Department of Health and Human Services to collect and report racial and other demographic uh, data uh, on who was impacted uh, by the coronavirus. Uh, and what I thought maybe would make some sense is maybe we start with you, um, Damali, and maybe you could talk about being on the ground in Chelsea right now. 
Okay. Well, thank you, Senator. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come and amplify the voices of people in our community. Um, as of right now, we have 874 confirmed cases of COVID. We've had 47 deaths. And so we're operating at a rate of about 217 infections per 10,000 residents. So per capita, we rang the alarms when we were at the 70 range. So since then, the numbers have about tripled. And so it's a, li it's a little scary, uh, but 80% of the workforce here in Chelsea is considered essential. These are people that are working in our supermarkets, people that are cleaning hospitals, cleaning airports. Uh, these are people that are on the ground that when they accepted their $12 an hour job, never imagined that they'd be at the front lines of a pandemic posing a risk to their families. We are a big immigrant community. And so a lot of the family compositions that we see in our households are intergenerational um, family members. So you have mom and grandma and, and grandchild. And so, you know, we don't, we simply just don't have the means. I, and let's be real, Senator, like, honestly, a lot of the issues that are coming up now are issues that have always existed. We've always had the housing insecurity, food insecurity, transit justice issues, immigration, environmental, underlying health concerns, but it's all just bubbling up and it's just in our face and we just can no longer turn away from these things that have been pestering for a while. And we, you know, we thought that ignoring it might, might help, but it, it doesn't. And so we really need state and federal leaders to really step up and give us all the support that we need right now. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right, 100%. And you know, that number that you used, 80% of the workers in Chelsea are considered to be essential. So yeah. how, how, how frequently have the suburbs of Massachusetts thought about how essential the workers of Chelsea are, you know, in, in a crisis? That's right. so, this is really that's right and that we're forced to put sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you <laughs> but that we're forced to decide whether we show up to work or we put our lives at risk and compromise what we're doing um to our children and and also that like i i've heard of people where there are residents here in chelsea that are showing up to work to in the in the private sector to clean people's houses or do landscaping in more affluent communities so to me a central worker is not a landscaper but if we're not being strict about what is essential and what's not, these folks can't afford to not get a paycheck one day, you know? And so it's, it's unfortunate, but it's the realities and it's, I, we just have to deal with them. We, you know, we have to deal with it. And we have to get the resources to Chelsea. Absolutely. To the families of the essential workers and to everyone else in Chelsea, you know, so that, yeah. so that they get taken care of. Because right now, the eight, those 80% uh, who are essential workers, they're out doing all the work that takes care of all the rest of us who are at home. And that's, that's right. Not right. It's not right that uh, even today, as we're battling uh, with the uh, Trump administration, uh, we're working to say, uh, we want hundreds of billions of dollars to uh, go to the cities and towns so that they've got resources to be able to deal with the protection of the community. And they're saying, well, we'll deal with that later. But we know that a Chelsea is going to be hemorrhaging money. And, uh, and unless we infuse the extra funding, uh, then it's going to make it more difficult to provide essential services uh, for the people of Chelsea. And that would just be absolutely a crime against them after everything that they have been doing 
all the rest of our families. So Madeline, could you, um, could you uh, chip in here and give us your perspective as to what's going on in Chelsea and what you would like to see going forward? Yes, thank you, Senator Markey and Councilor Vigo. Um, I feel really buoyed by your company. Um, and I'm glad you started with uh, um, talking about workers, our essential workers in Chelsea. Workers have always been on the front line of environmental hazards, um, the canaries in the coal mine, if you will. Um, at this time, going to work presents the hazard of an infectious agent, uh, a virus. Um, but at other times, it's the products that you use when you're cleaning the offices or the hospitals. Um, <laughs> it's the hazards you face when you're manufacturing the plastics or in the airport or breathing exhaust, diesel exhaust. Um, and now we have a confluence of occupational hazards and environmental hazards coming together. Uh, workers and environmentalists who seek social justice as part of the environmental justice movement have been collaborating on the same side for a long time. And we continue to now in Chelsea, um, part of the reason why so many vulnerable workers live in the city is that it was an affordable place for people to live for many years. Um, and that was partially due to the fact that much of our land is contaminated um, with past industrial uses. Um, and it takes a lot of investment to make that land habitable. Um, and um, now, unfortunately, we see a lot of that land being developed by um, big developers who have the pockets to develop where there's such contamination. Um, so we have the threat of losing our community um, as we respond to this pandemic. Exactly. Maria, what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you see going on right now at the height of this epidemic. Thank you, Senator, and thank you for having this conversation. I think, uh, like it's been mentioned by um, Damali and Madeline, the, the inequities that we have always had in communities like Chelsea, low-income communities, communities of color, communities where English is not the first language, are simply being exposed. For folks that don't know the role that Chelsea plays in the region, the Chelsea Creek holds 100% of the jet fuel that's used at Logan International Airport. We have 70 to 80% of the region's home heating fuel. We have over 400,000 tons of road salt that are used in over 350 communities in the region. And so the role that Chelsea has always played has always been essential. The essential workers, the essential businesses, the essential industries. But yet it's communities like Chelsea, low-income communities, communities of color that have to bear the burden, the environmental and industrial burden of living with these hazardous facilities. We have one of the largest produce distribution centers in the country that brings in thousands of trucks in and out. And so the impact that that has on our air quality is really, mm -hmm. you know, the pandemic, like you said, Senator, is not hitting everybody the same. The folks that have been living in vulnerable conditions in overcrowded home conditions with pre-existing health conditions those are being exposed and it's what's making Chelsea have the highest rate in the entire state and one of the and even higher than many of the boroughs in New York City. I think for us it's 
it's no mystery why that has happened. You know, when, mm -hmm. when, it, when this all began and the line was drawn between essential employees and essential businesses, that's when we drew the line of whose lives are expendable and whose lives mm. are we willing to risk. Because if we did that, if we drew the line and we said, you all still have to show up to work without providing the additional resources, we're, we're, we're letting people, the most vulnerable, the ones who've always been oppressed, allowing them to continue in these conditions under this pandemic. And it's really simply exposing the inequities that have always existed, and this is only exacerbating them. Could you talk a little bit, uh, Damali, about food insecurity in Chelsea right now? What, what you're yeah. seeing on the streets? Yes. Yeah, so um, we're, we're going on a little over a month that people have been told to stay at home. So people have been out of work. Um, we, the food insecurity is something that has always existed. Again, as Maria Belen just mentioned, all of these issues have always been under issues that have always played, uh, affected our community. They've just been exacerbated. And so what we're seeing is a huge need for food. So we recently reached out to the governor for additional support. And so he asked, uh, gave us the support of the National Guard. And so we're getting, we're buying food and we're packing it up. And we have two point locations where people are coming to get these boxes of food that's expected to last them for a week. And we don't have enough. We can't meet the demand. Um, and so we, we need more food. I mean, we're talking about folks that haven't been work, working for over a month. Our schools are doing a phenomenal job at still feeding the children. Our elders are being fed, luckily, by our senior center and Mystic Valley Elder Services. Stupendous. But families are struggling. Families are struggling. And it's, we, we just do not have enough, Senator. We just uh, do not have enough. And I want to continue to talk about how can we get more donations for food. We need food donations here. But I also want to talk about looking forward. How do we rebuild in a way that's more equitable so that these issues are no longer, there's no reason why in the richest country in the world that there should be anybody that's starving, especially when people are doing their due diligence and doing what they're supposed to do and live in this American dream that we all, we all try to achieve and going to work and raising your family and buying a home. Everyone's just trying to do the right thing. And so they should not be penalized um, for doing just that. The one thing I'll add, if I can jump in is, you know, yeah. we've seen when the National Guard came in, that the point of distributions, um, like Damali said, two sites every day. Um, and recently, I think, I believe it was Friday, the, the point was at City Hall and the distribution started at 11 a.m. And at 8.30, there were hundreds of people lined up. I think that tells the story of how much the need is. And if we're looking yeah. at every city and community in the Commonwealth, we don't all have the same needs. Communities mm -hmm. like Chelsea, and Chelsea's not alone either. We're the highest right now, but we're, we're in it with Everett, Revere, Lynn, Brockton, all of these communities have always suffered food, food insecurity that if there were points of distribution for food before the pandemic, there would have been lines of people lined up to get food. And right now, I mean, I think the image there's a, there's a video of, of this image of hundreds of people lined up hours before it started. It's just, it really brings it home of the dire, dire need of food. 
Can you talk a little? Can can you talk a little bit about the Green Roots partnership with the City of Chelsea right now in terms of how that is uh, working? Definitely. So Green Roots, um, you know, Madeline is our, our board chair. Uh, Green Roots is an environmental justice organization. Um, and we have been working and doing community organizing for over 25 years um, around environmental justice, around public health and quality of life. And so actually on March 11th, uh, right as this was hitting, one of our staff said, we what are we going to do we we have to call the city what is the city going to do and that's when these citywide calls started we called city officials and we said are you prepared how can we help you we need to talk about this and figure this out together and so now madeline, i'm sorry yeah so madeline can you add to that madeline yeah um i contacted roseanne bongiovanni the executive director and maria Bailin, and said what are we going to do? What's our policy? What are we going to do for the staff? And um, and they were on it. They'd already started drafting um, a policy for the staff and um, and collaborating with the city as we have done as an organization um, since the beginning. The one thing I'll add is that this isn't only Green Roots. This is so many different mm -hmm. partners. So many different nonprofits in the city of Chelsea coming together, faith leaders, senior center, the public schools, people. Now these calls, since March 11th, they happen every day at four o'clock. Anybody's welcome to call in. At this point, we have over 70 people calling in and we have every single partner organization, church, school, and even just residents who don't maybe don't affiliate themselves with an organization but are stepping up. So this has really been a city-wide effort. We're being hit the worst, but we're organizing at a level that is just admirable. And the city officials and our city manager have played an incredible role at being so uh, listening to everyone's needs and so gentle and kind and yet responding to the to the needs that are coming in. Fabulous, fabulous. So, Damali, the, yes. one, the one Chelsea fund. Yes. You know, you, you know um, Maria and Madeline, they talk about how everyone is coming together. Can you talk about yes. the one Chelsea fund and what's that, what is that doing and what does that mean okay. to the community? So that was, um, that was established by United Way and it's the One Chelsea Fund. And basically it's for us to try to put some money in folks' pockets to help them out. People are not able to pay car insurance, rent, buy uh, personal hygiene products. Or I, I got a complaint today of someone that can't even afford to pay the flu medication that they're giving as a result of the coronavirus. So um, the copay is $70, so who pays for that? So the idea is that between three different nonprofits, the Chelsea Collaborative, Green Roots, and the neighborhood developers, we're splitting the money into three, giving each uh, organization their own, their, their percentage, and they're dishing out $250 checks to residents that need it. And so they're all managing their own uh, wait list and, and um, list of people, of applicants, and we're dishing out checks just so people can have money in their pocket to be able to purchase um, what they need. But if I can just add to what Maria Belen said about the collaboration in the city. Um, I think we, you know, it's really important that we recognize our collaborative effort and in, in really trying to build Chelsea. Chelsea is the size of maybe a neighborhood in Boston, but we have our own government. And we've always been a community where I know my neighbor across the street. We speak 35 different languages in the city. We're a gateway community. There is just so much beautiful 
diversity in our 1.8 square miles. And so a lot of times, you know, you, you, you have all these complex issues. We tend to look at things in silos. This isn't about one organization. This is not about one individual. This is about all of us looking at looking at this collectively, but also, and even in the issues, which is why I advocated for us to have this environmental justice conversation, is that we can't just look at this issue and talk about food scarcity, and we can't just talk about housing, and we can't just talk about environmental. We need to look at this holistically because, quite frankly, we have been hamstrings in every single aspect, and so we need to have a more coordinated approach, and so the beauty about it talking about this environmental justice topic is that where, you know, what are the three factors? It's race, it's income, and it's language, which are, it's, it's disproportionately affecting us for those exact reasons. So it's just, I just want us to, sometimes I feel like we get stuck in the weeds and I always like try to bring it back. Like, how do we step out of it? Look at this from a bird's eye view and approach the whole thing. So this is about all of us together and how do we affect all of these, the plethora of issues that are arising. Yeah, and, uh, and you do such a great job uh, doing that. Um, uh, Ayana is the congresswoman from Chelsea right now, but I had the honor of being the congressman from Chelsea for 16 years. It was, oh. it was my honor uh, to be able to help all of these programs and to build a lot of the foundation that uh, has grown, but is now jeopardized by what has happened. And, and, and my feeling is that we're kind of at a big moment here where We've lifted up a rock and we can yeah. see based on race, based on income, based on geography, um, yeah. how, how there's a great divide in our society. Uh, we yeah. know, and Green Roots focuses on this, that black and brown people have always breathed different air than white people mm -hmm. in the suburbs have breathed. And Chelsea is a perfect example of that mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the location of so many of these polluting facilities. Uh, and it's giving us a real chance just to see how all of it then compounds uh, to make the population of Chelsea more vulnerable. That's they right. They don't have access to health care. They're more endangered by the environment. Uh, and in many instances, because there's an undocumented community, uh, mm -hmm. they're somewhat afraid to come out and even get tested. Can you talk a little bit about that tomorrow? So we can yeah, that's actually, uh, that's really disappointing. You know, we, it's not a secret that Boston has always um, had the highest rents in the entire country. And so while this is, this is a place where people feel safe because there's community and at one point was affordable, folks are now forced to live more people in one unit than ever before. And so a lot of folks who are undocumented um, do not feel comfortable um, going to the hospital because of their documentation. They tend to stay home until they absolutely can't take it anymore. But in the process, all the kids are sick, all the aunts are sick. And so we're hearing of entire households that are two, three family homes where everybody in the building is sick, multiple families. Um, and it's really unfortunate. And even with having the National Guard come into the community, we really had to let them know, look, they're here on a humanitarian mission. We're not here to check anyone's uh, um, undocumented status. And, and that's, the, that's the beautiful thing. That's the silver lining um, in this entire thing is the way that this community really comes together, no matter all walks of life. And, and we advocate for one another because everyone is welcome here. And every, anyone can come and grab a box of food um, and we're trying to encourage people, if you have symptoms, you still have to get checked. Um, also, we, the city manager 
uh, coordinated with the mayor of Revere and they got a hotel, Quality Inn Revere, with some rooms to allow for people to quarantine who have confirmed cases of COVID, don't need any further hospital treatment, and that posing, going back home because it's too crowded may pose a threat to the rest of their family. So we're allowing the space for them to come and heal essentially before they could go back home so we can try to limit the spread of the disease. Um, but there's a lot of fear here. And I, I mean, the fear again has always existed, but again, it's exacerbated at a level that's, it's, it's sad, Mr. Markey, you know, it's, it's the reality, like, you know, it's 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 it just it at some point it's like you take off your senator hat or your council hat and and it's just it's just you as a human being seeing need kids that are hungry how do you sleep at night so I, it's just it's you know it's personal it's very personal and and uh, and you and but you're there all of you dealing with them on a personal level you're That's doing right. this individual to individual person to person uh, taking care of their problems. And, and hopefully when we come out of this, we'll have a big debate in the United States about universal sick leave and, uh, and income support and child leave and that we'll be realizing that essential workers have to be given protections uh, because they're essential uh, and they deserve it. And so we're, we're, we're actually, I think as a country learning a lot about who was essential and 80% of Chelsea is essential. 80% of Lawrence is essential. 80% of Brockton is essential. They're off and working every single day uh, to protect all of the rest of us. And if they're essential, uh, then we have to make sure that we provide them with the essentials of life. Yeah, exactly. So how can we praise them for being ex essential? Because right now what it feels like is that our essential workers are expendable. And I don't think that it, that's what it should be, right? right? So yeah. how do we how do we lift them, and 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 honor them for for being at the front lines? You were talking about people that are worth twelve dollars an hour that are risking their entire lives to make sure that we have our toilet paper and coconut water. Precisely, and that's why we should have had more personal protection uh, uh, equipment available for them. Uh, we should have had more testing available for them. Uh, we should have been thinking about them uh, because essential in many ways is almost like disposable, right? Well, well, they're just going to be exposed to all this and, you know, everyone else is home and safe, but the essential workers are putting themselves at risk and, and like you're saying, bringing it home to their That's own right. family members uh, and jeopardizing their lives and their health as well. So what I'd like to do, if I could, is just finish up. Maybe each one of you could give us a minute on what you want everyone who is watching to know about Chelsea, know about what you're doing, and what you would like them to do. So let me begin with you, Madeline, ask you just give us the one minute summation about what you want people to know today about Chelsea. Thank you. Um, Chelsea is a city of immigrants. It has always been. Um, and People who come to Chelsea, for the most part, come from other very challenging conditions and homes and have uprooted for the possibility of a better future. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of um, discussion on nationally about 
who this pandemic has highlighted as being vulnerable in this country. And I really sincerely hope we do, do focus on the solutions, the structural inequality, the environmental injustices um, that, and, and I hope we don't return to normal because normal is not good enough. We need to return to better and address the root problems that have resulted in where we're at today. And um, I hope everyone can come visit Chelsea in the future. It's an awesome city. Yeah, beautifully said, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Maria. I think if I would say one thing um, is there have been folks working on the ground at the grassroots level for decades, generations, and the folks, as you know, the Congresswoman says, the, the folks closest to the problems are the folks that have the most appropriate solutions. And I think that if there's a lesson that we need to learn, that this country needs to learn, is that we have to listen to the folks on the ground. We have been advocating for environmental justice legislation that would protect these communities, low-income communities, communities of color, and communities where English language is isolation, where folks don't speak English. And, you know, if I can speak personally, I think another lesson is that capitalism is not working, and capitalism does not work. It does not work for the, for the sick. It doesn't work for the poor. It doesn't work for those who don't speak English. It doesn't work. And so we have to, we have to be better than this. We have to create a world where we are all taken care of, especially the most vulnerable, especially communities of color, low-income communities, communities that are at the forefront and bearing the burden so that we can all have a better quality of life. Beautiful. Thank you. And thank you for your activism. Thank you for your energy every day. And uh, Damali. Um, well, I guess if I can be a dreamer, I guess what I want to see is transit, housing, immigration, environmental, um, food, language justice. I would like for black and brown communities to stop having to bear the brunt of uh, capitalism. Um, I wish that state and federal leaders would um, consider us consider us all the time, right? And, and, and think about us and, and acknowledge the, the gems, you know, that we, you know, the majority of the shells in Kenobi's come from Chelsea, do you know? You know, like we have so much rich history here. We contribute to this, to the world at, at the, and the economy at large so vastly. And, and our people that live here, like they deserve to be treated as such. They should be treated with respect. And it's just, it's really frustrating for me to be in a situation where you hear cries from the front line and hearing, and then seeing systemic injustices playing out before you where the, 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 the occupant of the White House is pushing for the, the cities, the states to open up. And, and we're not, we haven't even reached our peak yet. It's, it's really frustrating and I really hope to see more advocacy on the state or federal level and that for people to stop politicking and take off their hats and like put on the humanity suit because it's not a time for partisanship. It's a time for us to really show up and show our best version of ourselves to our fellow brothers and sisters. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you for your great leadership in Chelsea standing up and fighting. Uh, you are such a great leader, thank you. And you know, when we talk about environmental justice, 
that's why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and I introduced the Green New Deal just a little more than a year ago. Uh, the planet's warming, we have solutions, green energy technologies, but we also have to make sure that frontline communities are included, minority communities are included, uh, that we do it with intersectionality, that we make sure that we yes. create these millions of new jobs for the future, but in a way that includes everyone that has been excluded in the past. Uh, and that's what uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and I did with the Green New Deal and it's changed the whole discussion in our country, finally. Uh, and what, what uh, the coronavirus is doing is really shining a spotlight on all of the inequities. And to a very large extent, we have a phenomenal opportunity here. Um, we have a challenge right now, but out of it will come an opportunity for us to now do the right thing in the future. And Chelsea is gonna be at the front of that. Uh, yeah. in taking these lessons and then saying, here's what we have to do to make this a better city, a better state, uh, a better country and a better world. And we can do it. And the three of you are gonna be right in the front of that battle. And I thank you all so much for being with me today. And to everyone else who's watching, stay home. Let's protect the essential workers. Uh, let's let them get their job done. Let's keep them safe so they can keep us safe. Thank you all so much for uh, watching. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, thank you, for, great, thank thank you, you for your advocacy. Thank you. Much appreciated. Thank you for tuning in to Markey on the Mic. Get involved in our grassroots movement today. Visit edmarkey.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And remember, the bosses might tell us where to sit. No one tells us where to stand. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay in touch.